Celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Tall Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Kia ora and welcome to Tall Poppy Talk. Today we have Jesse O'Brien. He is a musician, singer, community man, father, partner, and an educator. He is not confined though to just one industry or one title. Having explored many avenues that have given him opportunities, including New Zealand Idol, where he showcased many of his musical talents as a contestant back in the day, or later alongside his wife would compete in the amazing race, Australia, like what? But music is always a core part of his life alongside with family. He's regularly gigging and bringing joy to those who listen, whether it's at a celebration event or social media or streaming services. He has spent time as a youth pastor and now works in the education sector, which he is helping shape the lives of rangatahi in New Zealand, specifically in the Hamilton Waikato region. Having experienced so much and come across a wide range of people, I'm very curious and keen to talk to Jesse about his observations and thoughts regarding tall poppy syndrome in Aotearoa, New Zealand, especially amongst our youth. So welcome, Jesse. First question where and how are you today? Hey, hey, hey. I'm good. It's so good to be here. I am in sunny, 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 Kirikiriroa, Hamilton. It's not actually that sunny, but it is really hot and humid. And I am good. I'm a little bit tired because I just got back from overseas, but I'm good. I'm good. I love it. And when you say just got back from overseas, you mean like quite literally just got back from overseas right yeah, yeah, yeah we flew in we flew in yesterday my family and I flew in yesterday afternoon from Europe took us 21 years to get back there as a family last time I was there my my oldest son was just two years old so. no way and how many yeah. kids do you have how how big was the tra- uh, the travel group yeah there were six of us in total me my wife and my four kids three of them who are I guess I guess you'd consider them adult kids, 23, about to be 20 and 18. And then my little nine-year-old who is actually our adopted daughter. Do you find that age gap between the kids, like you mentioned before we started, they help look after her. Is that cool to see your kids looking after your other kids? Like what's that experience? Oh, man, that? It's, it, is, it is so good. And it was really um extremely heartwarming for us to be on this trip which has taken a long time to come about just you know because things like that aren't cheap and people that play music don't get paid much money (laughs) so it took ages to come about but yeah one of the most heartwarming things was to see our older kids with our young girl and just like that whole dynamic which you wouldn't get when they're all younger and I don't know I don't know how families with all kids younger do that sort of travel because man it's taxing eh? It's awesome. It's an incredible experience. But, you know, so good to see the older kids doing that stuff. eh? Being a dad is just one of your many hats. So how do you balance everything? Question. I do. I've always referred to myself as wearing kind of all sorts of hats. A jack of many trades, a master of absolutely none. So what do I do? I spend most of my time these days. um, I have a full time job working at a school and I am what they call student and whānau support worker. So um, for those that don't know what the word whānau means, uh, it's, that's the te reo Māori word for family. Yeah, so my role is to look after and support students and their families. And I guess by proxy, that also extends to teachers um, and staff at the school, especially when you're thinking about sort of the the model of well-being to whare tapawha, um, like our 
all of our walls need to be balanced. All of our walls need to be so. So I spend a lot of time working with our young people, our rangatahi at the school, and then uh, when it turns into the weekend, I go out and start playing music and singing at weddings and pubs and basically anywhere that someone will pay me to pay me to play. Uh, so there, and then obviously lots of stuff with family. Those those are kind of my main things at at the minute. But I've done a lot of different things over my years you have and I touched upon some in the intro like NZ Idol the amazing race I always think like if I could do one reality show it's either Survivor or Amazing Race those are huge opportunities have you always just been someone who yeah I'm going to pursue that talk me through decisions good yeah 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 um I, I wouldn't say I've always been one of those people but now that I've now that I'm a bit longer in the tooth and a bit longer in the beard, I've been around been around them a while now. When I look back over the 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 span of time, I've definitely always been one that struggles to fit within boxes that people want to build for me. So there's a there's always been a bit of a rebellious streak there. You know, like if somebody thinks that they know me, then I then I've had this. Uh, it used to be a bit of a weakness. You know, I I used to think of it as a bit of a weakness. I used to feel like I had to prove that they didn't know me, that they only knew that part of me. Um, and now it's, I see it more as a bit of a strength of, like I'm quite comfortable with that. A number of years ago, I used to be a youth pastor, which I think you also mentioned in your intro. When I decided to resign from being a youth pastor, it was at the tail end of, uh, it was after the New Zealand Idol kind of thing, um, which was at the time, long time ago now, like one of the biggest shows on TV, like it was huge. It was kind of before the social media thing had really kicked in, which I'm eternally grateful for now because I would have got slammed on social media. So it was right at kind of at the turn as that was coming about. And uh, this taste of just being totally immersed in music and like only focusing on music because like we had to live away from home in what they call the idle house. And all we did was rehearse and practice and learn music and do music stuff and the TV production stuff. I was like, whoa, this is a cool world. What the heck is this? And so post that, once it had all kind of settled a little bit and I'd come back home and I was doing the youth pastoring, um, we had a very small children at the time. My wife, uh, I actually flew away from the Idol tour to be at the birth. So at the tail end of Idol, we were on tour going around the nation. I flew away from that to be at the birth of my baby boy <laughs> who's now 18 and then flew back to join the tour again so long story not very short and in around there something kind of started building a little bit with me about wanting to kind of try some of the music stuff a bit more give that a bit more focus I've always done music always been in bands I've always done that sort of stuff but I really wanted to just be able to give it more of that single focus and so in amongst that time I really developed this thing and this kind of life philosophy which I still we still try to live by as a family now of not living with what ifs you know like I don't I I, I just now it's just such habit it's so built in that I just couldn't handle living with a what if like if an opportunity comes up and I'm thinking whoa well what if I don't well then do it you know, like I'm like, well, and so I've, it's actually, it's led to some pretty incredible things. Yeah. It can actually be wildly freeing. Like if you can kind of get yourself to the point where you, where you actually understand that you can make a decision. And if you include in that, well, I don't want to live with what ifs, you know, like, do I want to live with, because essentially that's saying, do I want to live with regret? 
no, no, I mean, I don't want to live with regret, really, you know, I, I mean, I can't do everything. And so then you go, well, do I want to live with this? What if? And then you, yeah, you do. Like you say, you can pivot and you can change. But if you make this decision, then maybe you lose out on this other side. But is it really losing out for what you might gain? And how do you know until you kind of step into that? So you right? have been doing this for the longest of times. And what I love is through you just going for it cutting off those what ifs gives permission for other people like myself to be like oh my gosh if Jesse's doing this this and this like yeah I can back myself and do this do you feel like not a responsibility but are you aware sometimes of how your life grants other people permission to do the same yeah I yeah I am I guess and it's um it seems very it seems it seems so strange to even say yeah, I do sometimes feel that because you feel like, I mean, you're a Kiwi, Grace, right? And I'm a Kiwi and we're on a podcast about talking about tall poppy. So it is is so, so bizarre. Like I, I often think about, and you'll, I'm sure, because you, you're living in America, you'll see this, like Americans can just, just be so encouraging about like, greatness and about doing things that are brave or bold or whatever and they're just like yeah go you man right yes. and kiwis are like who's this guy and i think sometimes yeah, the volume at which we let those voices in our head be is can be the, the biggest thing you know so i often say that youth is it's a classic saying i don't say it i didn't make it up you know youth is wasted on the young because i mean i i wish now that i was your age with some of the mm, for lack of a better word see it also feels a bit like an egghead thing to say confidence now you know like but I wish I I wish I'd had some of it when I was younger so whether or not I feel the responsibility I don't know if that's the right word but I certainly feel it would be remiss of me not to actively encourage those around me to just grab it by the horns you know like I've had some I've lived some cool experiences and I'm nobody like I'm just uh, I was a little fat kid from Dunedin who had no confidence and had a pretty messed up start to his childhood and like I I have no right or claim to the cool experiences I've had in my life over anybody else you know what I mean like the the magic that for me that this this little fat kid from Dunedin could live the life that I've lived and me be like wait what this is real like I've done some of these things and like when I one of the most exciting things for me is when I see a young person at the school that I work at just find an ounce of confidence where there was none you know just a little bit because and and you'll know this Grace because you're so much closer an age to the generation that I'm working with than I am. I'm I'm old. But the pressure that social media puts on our, our an, an entire generation of our young people, the pressure of um perception, the pressure of who you have to be and the fear of failure that that builds, you know? So if if you fear if you're super afraid of failing, then why are you going to try? You know, you're probably not going to try because, well, I'll, I might fail. And so I see that all the time at the school that I'm working at. And like an example, I I work with the band at school, right? So intermediate age, year seven and eights in New Zealand, which is like somewhere between 11, 11 and 13 years old, right? And 
each year I work, I pull a band together, I audition the band and they're nervous as heck and I pull them together and we do this thing. This year we had some incredible singers in our band and I didn't even start playing guitar till I was 14 and I earn money from my music every weekend, you know, but we had some incredible singers and they um, were so good and saw their confidence build and right at the end of the year, like two weeks before the school, uh, the school year ended, I found out that a couple of the friends of these singers also kind of sang, but just didn't never sang in front of people. But my singers were like, they have great voices. And so within the last two weeks of school, these two young ladies found the confidence enough to sing initially just in front of me. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. That's great. And we had some fun and we had a laugh, you know, kind of a bit like a karaoke thing. I just set up some YouTube karaoke stuff and we sang. It was great. And then in front of their teachers and then in front of some of their friends and like that is worth its weight in gold just as much as some of the cool experiences I've had that yes in turn have probably encouraged some people to maybe go I should try that cool shit you know I should do that powerful and as you're talking I can just imagine that excitement when you realize actually embracing it and Lockie Mm. shout out to Lockie who's connected yourself and I like he just said like when I was interviewing him he goes oh you need to talk to Jesse he's like this (laughs) guy is he's something and 100% 100% correct just the passion and enthusiasm you have is so good oh, he's, he's too kind he's too kind to me knowing that people such as yourself are in the school system is really exciting and to have that mm. enthusiasm just to touch on what you mentioned about social media so afraid and grateful that I wasn't a part of that I think like social media was kind of grabbing at our heels when I was on my way out of high school mm. um it was there we had the fun of you know, on Max where you had like the, I forget the photo booth, probably thousands of videos of <laughs> photos on those photo booths. And then, but you do think, oh, well, I'm so glad I didn't have the access because yeah. it's, it's such a great tool, social media. It's connected you and I, of but course. youth, there is a reason you shouldn't get into social media until a certain age, I think, because yeah. there's just no regulation. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And and I see regularly that um and I'm a I'm a huge fan of social media, right? I love social media, I love the benefits of it. Um I um I'm a big fan of a guy called Nathan Wallace, Kiwi guy who uh is like a neuro um I don't want to say a neuroscientist. I'm uh, he does a lot of parenting seminars and he talks about brain development, in particular talks about teenage brain development and basically how the the frontal cortex just goes offline um, for a number of years, you know, like scientifically, he talks, talks about the science of it all, talks at a thousand words a minute. He's really engaging. He'd be a great guy for you to talk to on your podcast, to be fair. He talks about how well, this is the world. Like you can't just say no social media. Like this is the world our young people are living in. So how do we guide them in that? Knowing brain development, knowing all of that stuff. And like, I know adults who like, fully formed grown-ass adults who can't self-regulate on social media like it's the science of it you know like the 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 dopamine kick and hit that we get from the screen like it's you know it's successful as it is for a reason like the the algorithms that know us better than we know ourselves you know like it's it's a, a both a terrifying and exhilarating thing you know and so then our young people yeah, not fully formed, not fully developed in terms of the brain brain development. Um, it could be a really scary place, eh? And like I said, with the New Zealand Idol thing, I was just so pleased that it wasn't um, 
on that was it was just before it was before social media because I, I came fourth on New Zealand Idol and my friend came third um and he's awesome like he's just a real great dude um but man he got slammed in the public because he was good looking <laughs> like, like what the hell you know like oh he's got I mean I didn't get slammed because I'm not good looking <laughs> I, it was the you know like it was just crazy that I I, I had essentially a pretty nice kind response from the majority of people um after New Zealand Idol but man my like I remember my friend just getting like getting yelled at on the on the street like through, out of the car out of car windows and stuff and I'm like what the heck see that dives right into the crux question I have which is tall poppy syndrome because yeah. I'm yeah when you're talking about New Zealand Idol I'm like that is the place the platform especially at that time given how yeah prevalent that the cable network tv is yeah and your interaction with just all that sudden attention so Mm. firstly could you please describe no right or wrong answer in your own words what tall poppy syndrome is and then how you've experienced it or observed it in others sure um well i guess for me tall poppy syndrome is when people feel the need just to cut people down to the same, make make sure everyone's at the same level. No, 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 no. You can't. Don't don't put your head up. We'll we'll chop you down. Just don't think you're too important, mate. Calm down. Yeah, all right. We all breathe. Yeah, come on, mate. We all, you know, like a, a real like. Um, why is he got to show off like that? Why is he doing that? And I guess um, I've I feel like I've been a little bit lucky, um, with my experience of tall poppy syndrome maybe towards me. Because I think early on, I was just too cocky to notice if anyone <laughs> if anyone thought that I was being being an egg, you know. Oh, that guy thinks too much of himself. Well, I did think too much of myself. Like, early on, like, I swear. Like, so my when I first started learning guitar, my two biggest fans, my mum and my sister, um, were like, you're so good, you're so good. And my sister bought a video camera, you know, like an actual camcorder video camera just to record me like learning guitar and whatnot and singing. And um, I am so pleased that they thought I was good and that somehow I believed them and thought I thought I thought I was all that in a bag of chips, you know, because I just kept going. Because the last time I heard any of those videos, like, holy smokes I was bad man but so early on I think that I just had this um I don't want to say arrogance because there probably was some young young person arrogance but just this uh confidence enough that I didn't really um feel too much of that my wife and I got married when we were really young so I was 18 when we got married and again um so my mum and her parents seemed to kind of shield we didn't know until years later there were a lot of people around that were like oh they shouldn't be getting married why are they doing that this and that but they kind of shielded us from a lot of that at the time so again kind of lucky that we were just oblivious to it maybe and then yeah obviously fast forward to some things like New Zealand Idol and The Amazing Race pretty kind of up there in the in the limelight especially like I said Idol at the time was the biggest show and it showed, it was two nights a week and we were in everyone's living room and it was like it was just insane it was so so again i was pretty fortunate like i was probably pretty fortunate with the tall poppy thing because 
I was edited pretty cleanly. Like I was edited as me. They didn't, it was very much characters within the show. And so like my friend that I talked about, who's very good looking um, man, totally like fantastic singer and hilarious, right? But he wasn't, they didn't cast him as the funny guy. So his edit was not funny. His edit was um, that he's the pretty boy, you know, from from Southland. Whereas another guy was cast as the funny guy, you know. So his edit was that he was the funny guy. And so even throughout that, we were kept away from the public during the the um, kind of three months of the of the filming. When we did have outings, we saw some of that. We felt some of that, and it was um was very it was very odd. Yeah, and the 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 amazing race was obviously another high high profile thing, and the. Tall poppy thing again was was a bit of a thing there, but we, my wife and I, again were fortunate that our edit was very kind to us. So the amazing race, it's hard to edit and make it what it's not because it is so in the moment and it is pressured, right? So they they create the drama of a show by casting it well and by having the challenges done well. Yeah, so it's probably the least um, contrived of of any of the kind of TV shows right like it's very it is pretty real and so we were obviously cast because we were reasonably likable but we were the guys that were never going to win you know like the like these guys aren't going to win but maybe they'll be liked for a bit they'll do okay but again some of the other teams um that happened to be a team of two reasonably good looking young guys they had uh, longer hair and they were they they came across quite confident they were immediately not particularly liked by some you know, and it was it was very strange. So a lot of my interactions with Tall Poppy, maybe because I'm I'm just oblivious to some things, like I just don't sort of notice some of those things. But a lot of our my interaction with Tall Poppy has been sort of being alongside and seeing it pointed towards my friends, uh, pointed towards people I know. It's an interesting thing. It's a it's um it's just it saddens me to see that that people need to make themselves feel better by making others feel less about themselves. And what do you do in those instances, like in both the situation, especially your friend, and if you see someone being the victim of tall poppy? Yeah, um, well, <laughs> there's there's been a couple of instances where I could, could have got myself in some trouble because I, I I kind of call things out if I see them. Like I don't I don't hold back too much, you know, like I'll tell somebody if, if I think they're being a bit, like, oh, hang on, man, that's 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 dumb. Like, what are you what are you, what are you talking about? But a lot of the scenarios aren't scenarios like that. They're just times where you are with your friend, and that happens, and you're like, bro, don't like you. You have to like. How do you encourage someone to say just just shake that off? Like that's hard. Like it hits people. You know, it lands, and especially when it's just people being themselves. They're just doing what they do. You know, and the attack. The, an attack on someone for them being who they are what 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 on earth like surely we've got to be better than that so I try to just encourage the individual just uplift the individual and I think that the best thing that we can do for anybody is just to try and be present in any interaction and just to try and uplift and leave leave people feeling better than when you first started interacting with them you know and yeah it's what you mentioned about the kind of volume of uh, in muso terms I'm forgetting it you have like streams coming in what is it like if you want to make sure that one of the sources is coming in your audio your audio mix like if you're talking about like yeah like if I've got something coming through my speaker and there's too much of the bass and I need more guitar or something right yeah you got that balance yeah so you're 
changing it and you're playing around with it to try and make sure that those positive is louder than the negative ones. And 100%. You talked about, um, yeah, for lack of a better word, some confidence, almost like naivety. Uh, I, yeah. I've experienced that with some of the athletes I've spoken to. One just yesterday I was interviewing and he said he was naive going into every stage because didn't know that he should be intimidated because it was his first time. Yeah, yeah. It's now looking back, he's like, oh, wow, I really had no idea. Wow. I, I didn't probably know. should have been nervous. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but you're protected by your lack of you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And youth in particular, and as your role as youth pastor and now in the schools and just being a dad, do you notice like a moment or a shift, especially middle school is a very pivotal age where you see like kids have become conscious of other people's opinions? Massively, massively. So at uh, the school that I work at, so I used to work in alternative education, which was with 13, 14, and 15-year-olds that had been kicked out of school. They're pretty edgy. They were um, a bit further down the track, right? And the role that I do now is at what we call a full primary, so from age 5 through to 13. And the reason I ended up shifting into that role was because I wanted to try and help and be more of an influence earlier on in the process, right? Rather than being the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, which is important. We need ambulances at the bottom of cliffs. I wanted to build the fence at the top of the cliff so that maybe there were less falling off, right? So the 13, 14, and 15-year-olds that I had been working with, because in New Zealand, you legally have to attend school until you're 16. And after that, you can just disappear into the world, right? The government won't try to track you. They won't try and keep you at school. 16, you can stop turning up and they won't try and hound you anymore. So by that point, this consciousness of what people were thinking was like so embedded in these students. Like they were already um, gang affiliated. It was just, it was pretty intense. Now in, in my current role, from probably about the 10 through to 13 age, it really kicks in. In particular, the 11, 12s and 13-year-olds. Um, this acute awareness of what everybody thinks about how they look, how they dress, how they smell, how they this, how they that. And we see these, I see these trends like just ripple through uh, our school like, like, that's the coolest. We're a uniform school, right? So everybody wears a uniform. They all wear the same, except they don't because when it's cold in the morning, they wear a hoodie. And this hoodie is the popular one. So that's the brand that's being worn at the moment, you know? And then another one is popular. Well, that's the one that's being worn. Everybody's got currently the Jordans, you know, they've got the Nike Jordans and I've got some Jordans, you know, I just got some new ones from overseas. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not against any, but this acute awareness Again, the tying back to social media, I think that that comes in, you know, the TikTok trends. So, yes, this this acute, deep awareness of what others think kicks in. And that's natural. That's normal. I think humans, we're not designed to exist in isolation. We're designed to exist in community, right? And so the easiest way to exist in community is to be like, oh, we connect on this. So that means we could work existing in community at its base level. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're dealing with, right? Which probably ties into the tall poppy thing, right? Like, oh, 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 hey, don't don't stand out. Don't look different. Let's look the same because then we're probably all okay. Then we're probably all protected, maybe. And so I think that it's like there's nothing wrong with awareness of what others think. 
but when it shapes your whole approach and your whole life and you're just like you know you get it then paralyzes you from being able to find who you are that's that's a tough one and because not everybody has this um that the kind of mind that jumps all over the place like I do and this kind of rebellious thing of like oh well okay I'll try you you expect that I'll do this not everybody has that naturally you know no, they don't. And same as you mentioned with your sister and your mum being like, Jesse, you're the man at guitar. I'm hyper aware that I had an extremely good group, like a year level at school, where nice. it was cool to be smart and to do the sports and to do the arts. And yeah. maybe in the moment I didn't appreciate it, but looking back, like we had just go-getters who wanted to see yeah. each yeah. other do well. And to have that support system, my sister same as and my mom and my dad backing me that way. So to your point, like yeah. probably overly confident, but I didn't appreciate that because I just thought, oh, the people in my corner seem to think I'm pretty cool. I think yeah. that's cool. And if someone else's opinion's coming in, like, sorry, it's it's not it's not getting through these like protective barriers, but so many kids and adults who don't have that. And that's when mm-hmm. it's it gets in we talk about those mixes of the positive and the uh, negative feedback coming into our brain yeah absolutely and i think that that's um like you're saying about um um so many of the athletes that you've spoken to you know who just didn't know to be nervous well i don't know i haven't done this before like isn't that what's isn't that what's exciting about it and i guess maybe that comes back to that's how our neural pathways have wired and shaped or whatever i guess over time the school that i work at i run mindfulness sessions with our classes so i do an eight week program called pause breathe smile which is developed in new zealand and it's great because one of the big parts in that is about neural pathways and about how a while ago scientists used to think that only children could change the shape of their brain the neural shape of their brain right but more recent research shows that neuroplasticity is available and accessible to all of us we can shape and rewire our brains and our neural pathways all the time in fact everything we think everything we feel and everything we do shapes those neural pathways right like you think about learning to walk or you think about riding a bike and falling off but you've got someone supportive like you said who helps you get back up on the bike boom neural pathway built you know everything surrounding that um if you've got someone telling you you're useless from day one boom neural path neural pathways built right if the volume like we talked about the mix of volumes in our in our brain if that's out of out of whack neural pathways are being built in that direction right so you readjust those and then it can change. Like you can actually change those pathways. I think that that's that's a really powerful kind of thing, right? Like not not everybody already has the volume set a certain way, and there's all sorts of different things that can that can adjust that. And I'm I'm a huge, you know, that thing of think, feel, do. I'm a huge thing about feeling, like the atmosphere of a place, the atmosphere of a room, the atmosphere of connection between people like the I'm a vibes guy you know like I'm like well that's a vibe and if if a vibe is down then I'll do what I can to to shift that vibe you know like that's all about the vibes all about the atmosphere all about the feel because that can wrap around people and you're talking about your your year level you know those things happen partly by chance I guess but also not like they 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 become orchestrated right like there's there's a certain mix within the students that year there's a certain couple of certain teachers that just encourage the right stuff like there's a this there's, there's yes there's 
a sprinkling of chance and a sprinkling of of just happened to be in that time. But there's also these other elements, and I don't know what the magical combo is, but how good, right? Like that, that we can actually shift those atmospheres and change those things both within ourselves and within others. Again, social media is so handy because I was deep diving on you. And if <laughs> to, to go to a more like personal question, which I think is awesome, you mentioned mindfulness and haora, which uh, for our international listeners is like physical, mental, emotional, and like social or something. Is that what uh, it is? Yeah, yeah. So you mean to Wharetapa Farm with the haora, our whole, our whole all well-being, the four walls, mental and emotional well-being, family and social well-being, physical well-being, and spiritual well-being are the four walls. But then we also talk about the whenua as well. So the land, everything that 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 sits on the all of us yeah thank you okay and getting into that you had shared which I thought was awesome that something you'd focused on in the past couple of years was like I'm going to get right into my gym I'm going to lift I'm going to do fitness <laughs> do that what you'd mentioned with our brains can change even as adults how do you form a habit especially as an adult that you haven't <laughs> had before like any advice there I will try I will try I'll try <laughs> give some advice Firstly, I'll speak to the gym journey for myself, yeah, um, just because that might lead me into how I can how I can kind of answer your question. Um, yeah, so my default of a few years ago would have been to share every single step of every single thing that I've that I've done. Right, I'm more of an oversharer than an undersharer. That tends to be my thing. Don't really know when to shut up. Like, is is kind of always been my thing, yeah. But yeah, two years ago I signed up at the gym. I was. Uh, 130 nearly 136 kg and uh, basically most of our family signed up at the gym to to you know go okay what can we do here what what can we let's change some things I you know anyway I didn't really share any progress on that initially because I was I guess to be honest I thought I was probably going to fail thought I was going to stop and then change to something else Um, but now I'm two years in and about 35 kg lighter and a whole lot more strength than I had. So fitter, stronger and healthier became my goals because I had to hack my brain. I had to trick my brain and have goals that every day moved <laughs> to where I was because I'm the kind of guy, a little bit of an addictive personality. So like if I went, I'm going to lose X amount of weight, I'd get to that and be like, done. Okay, sweet. Put it back on, you know, like stupid stuff. So healthier, fitter, stronger, moves constantly, right? Every day I wake up, that shifts, that changes. If there's any advice that I could give, firstly, it's that one size does not fit all. And secondly, that there are a thousand voices out there that are trying to give you advice, right? Some of those might match and others won't match. Like there's all those voices will seem different and everyone has an opinion. Don't firstly, don't listen to all the voices, right? Like I, you, you mentioned um, the voices that do matter, you know, the, 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 the support that we have around ourselves because some do, right? But not all. And so finding out those ones that do and those those voices that do are the voices that actually care about our well-being, that care that we do well, you know, that aren't trying to cut us down. And so you got to give weight to those voices. You'd listen to the voices that are that are right for you. I gave, I've been given over this last year or so, I've given some friends some advice, basically just saying that it is the itty bitty, teeny tiny things done with consistency that make the biggest difference. So you don't, you don't, I didn't lose 35 kg at once. I didn't lift, I didn't bench press 100 kg on my first day. 
right? Like I, like these things have only happened bit by bit by bit. And small progress is still progress. So I guess my advice is if you're wanting to do something, just do it, man. Don't live with the what ifs. It comes back around to that, right? Like don't live with the what ifs. If you really, really want to do something and you've got that feel and you've got that vibe and you want to, you want to, you think, well, maybe this could be me. Well, maybe this could be you, but if you don't take the first step, you can't take the second step. If you don't take the second step, you can't take the third step. So the itty bitty teeny things, small progress is still progress. And, you know, over the course of, I've just come back from holiday, three weeks, didn't get, there's no gym availability really. So I'm like hanging out to get to the gym. My son and I will go to the gym this afternoon and I'll feel like, I'll feel like rubbish after it. I'll be like, what have I done to myself? But that's okay. Like it's cool, man. I ate too many croissants, you know, and I and and uh, and I had probably too many beers when I was over in Europe. But that's fine. I'm home now. I've had my routine breakfast this morning, and I'm like, yeah. And I'm a huge, huge fan of an advocate for routine. Yeah, like just make routines. And again, one size doesn't fit all. So make a routine. Get routines that fit you. And it's, it's applicable to anything you want to do, right? Like just have a routine, set a routine or find a routine because some things in our lives we have to work around, you know, like would I like to never have to work a day again in my life? Well, yeah, probably, but actually no, because I love my job. But the hours are from this to this. So, okay, my routine needs to fit around that. How do I make that work? Yeah, and even something I've been trying to implement is, okay, my routine, especially like with interviewing people. So my routine for the podcast has to evolve revolve around my routine of having a job to your point like my I'm paid to work from like nine till six right that is my prime responsibility the podcast is awesome but that needs to work around so how do you establish a routine you know keep taking a bite of the elephant keep moving forward yes so, all right I'm gonna try and do an interview a week or like I was just on um holiday too as we mentioned and so I've actually done three interviews in a row, which normally I wouldn't do, but it's made me think, okay, cool. I'm back on my cadence. Much as you said this morning, you had your normal routine breakfast. Now it's once a week and you make a routine, maybe not how like stereotypical of each day, but in the course of a week, I need yeah, to do yeah. one interview. I need to edit one interview. doesn't matter if I do it all on Monday or yeah. one on Tuesday, one on Friday, establishing yeah. some sort of routine that works for you as you'd mentioned not yep. one size fits yep. all yeah absolutely and I think that's the key like I, I think I know for myself that like when I have routine that creates space for adaptability so yeah. then I can adapt there's part of me that like if my routine gets thrown I can be a bit like oh I'm a bit antsy like my routine's not been but so I have daily routines and then there's the like like you say within a week or within a this or that or within a month like whatever works like there is not one size fits all and so redefining some of those things that our brain tells us and even just questioning why does our brain tell us that stuff why is that my internal message why is that what I'm saying to myself right now like why do I care what people think hang on a second like why am I even doing this you know I'm a big question asker. I love to ask questions of others and of myself. A curious yeah. mind. If you could have just one meal for the rest of your life, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Barbecue, barbecue pork spare ribs. 
<laughs> no hesitation. No way, not at all. Cooked by my wife. Although I wouldn't want her to have to cook them for every meal for me for the rest of my life. Like if, it, if they could be the same as hers, and they could be the same as hers, but her not have to have the struggle of cooking them. No question. Oh man, I would get so sick so quickly though. It's okay. Don't think too much. So un- I would feel so unwell like after like one day of it. Still barbecue pork ribs. No, no hesitation. You didn't even have to finish the question. Was yeah, there you- more to the question or was that no, it? That was it. <laughs> no question. Oh, that is so good. I have so enjoyed speaking with you, deep diving even beforehand in prep of, of having this corridor. Lockie sung your praises and you have exceeded the already high expectations I had of just being a really good person to yarn to. So thank you. No, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I love the work that you're doing with your podcast. It's cool, man. Like these are conversations that need to be had, especially for Kiwis. And as a Kiwi living in America, I'm sure that you are right at the um, forefront of seeing the contrasting, um, the contrasting kind of general approach around things such as Tall Poppy. So great work, Grace. Thank you so much for listening to Tall Poppy Talk. We'll see you next time. Feel free to check us out on socials, YouTube, and the website. Thanks for today's guest, and we'll see you all next time.